Hi everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast. Brought to you by Tumi, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. In today's episode, our topic is social justice in mobility. To chat with the Colombian mobility expert Dario Hidalgo, my colleague Sofia called him in Bogota. Dario works as senior mobility researcher for the World Resource Institute, Ross Center for Sustainable Cities. With his extensive experience as a researcher, consultant, government official and lecturer, he's no stranger to the TUI universe. Without further explanation, I'll hand over to Sofia and Dario to hear about best practice examples of accessible mobility, how city development can be more just, and what the right ingredients to design fair urban transport systems look like. Let's listen in. Hi and welcome to Tumi's Talking Transport Transformation podcast. This week with me, Sophia Sinder again and Dario Hidalgo, Senior Mobility Researcher and part of WRI, Ross Center for Sustainable Cities, International Team of Transport Engineers and Planners. Welcome, Dario. Very good. I'm very happy to be with you again. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's dive right in. So currently the topic of social justice has fortunately gained a lot of attention in the media, for example, with the COVID-19 crisis or the Black Lives Matter movement. And for sure, transport systems can either reinforce social justice or decrease it. You have over 30 years now of experience as a transport expert around the world. And what is a fair transport system actually? Well, providing accessibility to everybody is one of the goals of a sustainable uh, transportation system. And uh, this requires uh, con considering the needs of these people that uh, usually need to travel the most in developing cities in the periphery of the cities. And unfortunately, because of the, the, they need to locate there because of the cost of housing and, and the cost of services, so uh, the transportation system need to provide and cater for better access to them to their destinations. That was not the case. Uh, transportation systems usually concentrate on uh, the middle class and, and people uh, that the, the transportation system uh, need to provide this accessibility to people so people is able to access their destinations in the minimum cost and the minimum time. And this is so important in, in developing cities around the world. Uh, WRI just completed a report that re it focuses on that and shows with a very good data on accessibility, they need to improve this access for people of low income and access to women and access uh, for uh, some special portions of the population that lack of that access. And um, maybe do you even have some examples from your years of experience uh, which come to your mind when you think, okay, there a fair transport system has been implemented? Well, I am based in Bogota and Bogota is uh, very well recognized by the mass transit system Transmillennium that was implemented in, in 2000. It's a BRT, a very high capacity BRT that also considers feeders in the design uh, from, from, from the start of implementation. And one of the goals of the system was that the feeder routes were located particularly in the areas of low income. So people of low income was able to use uh, the, the system 
and integrate to the, the mass transit, the BRT corridor, without the payment of, a, of an additional fare. And that uh, and, and there was analysis to show that uh, if these people improve their accessibility or not. And these analyses are showing that actually this type of design of a system that is designed for improving the accessibility of communities of low income actually provides uh, the opportunity to these people to gain the most of the benefits of this system. Uh, in WRI, we did a, a cost-benefit analysis with the distribution of the benefits of uh, of uh, several BRT systems around the world, and we were able to see that uh, the implementation of these systems have been mostly progressive. It ha they have been able to provide much better mobility to people of low income and people of higher income and, and better access to these people. Nevertheless, the very, very, very low income uh, population is still uh, has problems because uh, in some occasions they are priced out. The cost of the user fare is very high for their income. So there is not just the need to do the physical design. So these uh, new systems provide accessibility to people of low income, but it is also important to consider the user fare. To solve that issue of the user fare, the city of Bogota implemented targeted subsidies for low income population. They mitigate the high cost for them of the of the user fare, they mitigate the, the effect of that high cost for them. So so they improve somehow the accessibility of the lowest income people. But still there's uh, some way to go. It's not perfect. It needs it needs further improvement. But uh, actually it's one of the few applications around the world of targeted subsidies to the poor. Usually in public transportation systems, you have subsidies for students, or you have both subsidies for the elderly or the people with disabilities, but you don't usually have a targeted subsidy for the poor. This was one example, and I think, I think the effect was positive. Probably the coverage of that subsidy needs to be increased. And actually, could we dive a little bit deeper into that? So you said like uh, those systems, for example, need f still further improvement, um, for example, with subsidies. But like what would be the top three factors that transport planners would need to keep in mind to increase social justice in transport planning? One, uh, it's coverage. Coverage by design. You need to plan the system so it, uh, it's available in, for the people of lower income. And this is a, a key factor, is the physical access to it. The second one, and we mentioned it, is the cost. The, the system needs to be accessible in cost for the people of, of low income. And usually what you need for that is to provide targeted subsidies, as we said. And third is to consider special needs of special groups, especially women. Women have uh, different travel patterns. They are usually the caregivers in their home and they need to uh, they take care of children and uh, their parents or people uh, that, 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 that is disabled at home. So, so the, the travel needs of women are very different than the travel needs for men. So if you design the system also to cater for the travel needs for women, you are making it much more accessible and much more just. Thank you for that already. Um, 
You co-authored actually also the article Transport and Inequality, uh, Why Disparities in Access Matter in Cities. And you wrote the sentence there, a less equal city is a less productive, healthy and sustainable city overall, even if the costs take time to surface. What did you actually mean by this? Well, we wrote we wrote that article with Anjali Mahendra of WRI and Christo Venter of the University of Pretoria. And, and, and the analysis in, in, in the, in the article was that, that you need, when you talk about sustainability, you need to really be comprehensive. You just not talk about uh, the, the social aspect of it, or the environmental aspect of it, or the, the economic efficiency of it, or the safety, which are the typical factors that you take into account when, when making a sustainable system. But we were able to, to show with the evidence of Cape Town, the evidence of Mexico City particularly, that uh, when you really focus on the accessibility of uh, uh, the people that most need, needs it the most, people of low income, you end up with a more productive city. Just a, a direct example. What is the accessibility to jobs? Of If you have more a, a, a wider a base of workers to access jobs in a city, you get more competitive because you get not just the opportunity for them to access these jobs, but the opportunity for the the, the companies to have uh, to select on on a wider uh, job base. So, if the access system provides accessibility to more people, especially people that that is needed the whole system becomes more productive the job the 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 the, the selection of, of of the people to do particular jobs uh, is more competitive and so you get more skilled people that is able to access those jobs so it is it is it is very interesting because usually the the approach uh, to transport planning is making trips faster and making uh, things uh, even uh, longer distances faster and and actually what what we are finding out and it's a change in the approach is that what you need is the accessibility you need more people uh, the access to jobs it doesn't really matter if if the trip is very fast what it matters is that it's accessible within a time window for more people so that's the the type of analysis that this report from WRI brings to the light And uh, is something that we are starting to see by other uh, by other researchers and agencies. There's an excellent ITF report also on accessibility, and there's very good research coming out on access uh, from University of Oxford and and also from the Inter-American Development Bank. So these are a, a, this is a new approach uh, from the access accessibility point of view, and not just from the a usually engineer metric of, of, of traveling faster. I really liked your sentence, it doesn't matter that it's fast, what matters is that it's accessible. Actually, do you think like the current discussion about social justice kind of also will affect the transport sector or increase accessibility in the mobility sector? Yes, uh, we we unfortunately the the sustainable mobility approach is is not just considering the transport in it. It's also considering the access and it's also considering land use. 
for so many years, land use was kind of a given. It was uh, something that somebody else did. The planning department was taking care of, of, of zoning and the transport department was taking care of the roads and the public transport system. Actually, this needs to work together. And when you do it, you find excellent things that are happening right now. And it's this powerful concept of the 15-minute city, of the 20-minute city, is that all the things are accessible by walking or cycling within a very short time frame. And that requires changing the land use. You need in your neighborhood more facilities for people, uh, for health, for education, for recreation, for all these things that are, are needed. You locate them closer to uh, where you live and not the other way around, moving people long distances to get to these uh, very important destinations. So Paris is the best example right now uh, with the concept of 15-minute city that it has been promoted by, by Mayor Anne Hidalgo that has been promoting this uh, as part of their of, of her re-election campaign, and now she's leading parties to come to become a 15-minute city. And and that requires talking about the land use much more than talking about the transport system itself. And actually, like, if you say, okay, Paris is the best example with, with its current policy um, in changing the land use so that you have a 15- or 20-minute city, Like, what is currently missing, like, the most around the world that we, we don't have as many 15-minute cities yet? Well, the, it was very unfortunate that uh, most of the 20th century, expansion was the rule, expanding the cities uh, and, and making the people live very, very far apart from their destinations was the kind of, of, of development of most cities around the world. Some cities uh, really did uh, that without much problem because they have excellent public transport systems integrated regionally. But for many cities in the developing world, that was not the case. And you ended up, you ended up with a very segregated uh, city, very big, like big cities in Latin America, like Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Buenos Aires, uh, Mexico City, and my home city, Bogota, that are, that are really really big cities, and you end up uh, taking a lot of time to get to your destination. You you take one hour, one hour and a half. And for a, a person that does that, it's three hours a day just moving around. That's not good. Uh, and and what, what, what the, these European cities uh, were able to manage was uh, make, uh, being more compact, more mixed, And also having excellent public transportation systems that even if you live far, your journey is not that, that, uh, that doesn't take that much time. And that's what we con need to continue looking at. And, and, and the very good news in, in Latin America or in South Asia or in Africa uh, is that uh, we uh, still have a very sustainable mode share. Most of the people still walk bikes or uses public transportation to get to their destination. It's not that we need to take the people out of the car or out of the motorcycle. In some places we do, but in most places you don't need to, you don't have as much people in cars and motorcycles, but you don't have the quality for walking. You don't have the quality for bicycling and you don't have the quality for public transportation. So focusing on the quality of what you have will retain most of these 
users, which are the majority, and give the opportunity to provide access uh, for uh, that is safe, that is uh, efficient environmentally, that is also efficient economically, but also is social uh, has this social dimension that is uh, that is designed for most of the people and not just for those that have more more income. So thank you, Dario, for your last answer. And for our um, very last question, I would like you to answer or ask you to answer in just one sentence, maybe. So like the expansion of cities will not end and to keep uh, the very sustainable mode share that we have in several cities or countries, what would guarantee access for all in the future? Well, we need to focus on three things. The, the uh, opportunities being closed, the uh, access from point A to point B that being closed, so having mixed use. Second, having excellent public transportation systems and walking and bicycling with really good quality. And third, have demand management of the excessive use of motorcycles and cars. That means using economic instruments to reduce to uh, the use of cars and motorcycles while you have really good walking, bicycling and public transport facilities. That was a very long but very great uh, last sentence. Thank you so much, Dario, for being here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a, a bit long. Sorry no for worries. that. It's difficult to... To, to plant cities in very short concepts. So true, yes. And I think our <laughs> listeners all know that. But I think your insights were very, very helpful for all of us. Thank you so much for being, for these uh, inspiring insights and for being guests with us at Toomey's Talking Transport Transformation podcast. Thank you. A great invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dario and Sophia, for these insights into the relation between social justice and mobility. If you would like to find out more about Dario and his work, you can follow him on Twitter. You'll find his social media handle together with all of our links to Tumi in the description box of this podcast. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. So as always, thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.